Welcome to The Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. Epic. Oh, how sick is today? This is so fun. And um, I'm hoping, I often walk around a lot, so I'm just going to get my bearings and hopefully won't fall off the stage as I speak. As Mark said, my name's Tando, um, married to Mel, and if you've done any of the gardening sessions, that's my wife. Um, fun fact, I actually do all the gardening at home. You wouldn't think that that's the thing. Like, I'm the plant dad, so um, yeah, that's my, <laughs> that's my contribution. Um, I thought those alpha testimonies were amazing. Can we give those guys a round of applause one more time? Absolutely awesome. If you want to hear any, like, if you're thinking they're, like, a nice, a nice guy, a nice girl, they'll probably be at Switch on the 14th of February, so uh, you can... <laughs> no, I'm joking, I don't even know. You might, you might be married. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> I'm only going to spend a few moments. This is... Um, I've, I've preached a few times, and I, I really like speaking at the six. so I'm going to try and not, like, give the unabridged version and have too much fun. But um, we're going to be looking at a portion in the Bible called Luke, and um, it is the, an account that a guy called Dr. Luke wrote. It's actually the first of a, um, like, two-part books that he wrote. So he wrote Luke and then Acts straight after. So if you, like, get into grips with your Bible, Luke is the bit where he uh, collated a lot of eyewitness accounts about Jesus' life, wrote the book of Luke, and then he did the same in Acts, but it was about the disciples after Jesus had ascended and kind of passed on the baton. So um, you can do that if you're like figuring out your Bible, trying to read. And it's kind of really fun because in School of Life right now, we're also going through Luke as well. So there's a bit of a connection uh, there. The bit that we're looking at is Luke 24. So at this point in the story, Jesus has been born. He's lived his life. He's like done his ministry. He's died. Spoiler alert, he's risen again. Um, and we're coming to this bit in the story. I, uh, I watched Harry Potter for the first time ever this Christmas. <laughs> Round of applause. Amen. Amazing. Um, and uh, someone told me, I wasn't allowed to watch it growing up because uh, my parents were pastors and they were like, no, wizardry, amen, apparently. <laughs> Come on. Harry Potter, who knew? That's what to preach. Um, and uh, someone said to me, oh, it's quite like Christian in its themes. And I didn't realize until the last one how much of a spoiler alert that was. Like, do you know what I mean? But anyway, Luke 24. In this story that we're going to cut into, there's a couple of Jesus' disciples. They weren't part of the 12, but kind of the extended discipleship group. And um, they saw Jesus die, but they don't know that he's alive yet. And it's Resurrection Sunday. So they were there Easter Friday, Jesus has died. And he's risen again, it's on the Sunday, but they don't know that he's risen again yet. And they're kind of in that space of like being upset. They've just seen someone that they've been following for years and that they thought was going to change everything and not die. They, they've seen him die and be killed. So that's the part of the story that we're going into. Don't worry if you don't have a Bible with you, it'll come up on the screen. Um, and I'm going to read it as well. It's a few verses, but I think you're going to enjoy the story. So just bear with me. Luke 24. Verse 13 to 35, this is what the Bible says. That very day, so Easter Sunday, uh, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking um, with each other about all of the things that had happened. And whilst they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. He said, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? They stood still, looking sad. And one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem 
who does not know the things that have happened there these days. And he said to them, what things? They said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. You can almost hear the pain in this next statement, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of these things, it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some of the women in our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find the body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of us who were there went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Jesus replied and he says to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and then enter into glory? Beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures concerning himself. Kind of like the first school of life video in the scripture. They drew near to the village to which they were going and he acted as if he was going a little bit further. But they urged him saying, stay with us for it's evening and the day is now spent. So he, Jesus, went to stay with them. He was at the table with them and he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. He vanished from their sight. They said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us when he talked to us on the road whilst he opened the scriptures? And they arose that very same hour and returned to Jerusalem. They found the other disciples, those who were gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed. I'm going to pray. Why don't you join me in a moment of prayer before we get into the rest of this message. Well, Lord, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that you love us. And Lord, my prayer is that just like these uh, disciples that we've just read about that recognize you and whose eyes were open to the fact that you're alive and that you're with us, I pray the same would happen um, in this room today with, with all of us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Um, you can probably hear from my accent, I get told that I don't sound like I'm from London. I uh, grew up in the Midlands in a place called Nottingham, Robin Hood country. And... Um, Recently moved to London, moved in the middle of the pandemic, or I thought it was the middle, it was more like the beginning of the pandemic, um, during Eat Out to Help Out. People had told me London's really expensive. I was like, no, this is kind of okay. I'm working out loads of half-priced food. It was awesome. And then it's been the pandemic, and I'm kind of just now like getting used to like the London commuter life, right? Because Nottingham is just like you drive around and um, you catch the bus, but there's not like trains and stations to catch unless you go in between city. So I'm like just about getting used to, I didn't really understand that there was a difference between different kinds of stations. I don't mean like geography wise, but like I, I wouldn't be able to say before coming the difference between like a railway station, overground and the tube, right? In my mind, it's just like a station, doesn't matter where I live, it's all the same thing. Not the same thing. I mean, there's so many things that are quite novel to me, like catching the tube, getting used to commuting, like the things I find like absolutely amazing. For example, when you see someone running for the tube, they're about to miss it. You hear the buzzer, doo-doo-doo on the doors, right? They hop, skip, jump, they just make it in. The first time I saw that, I was like, this is incredible. I wanted to give them a round of applause. Everyone else was just like, yeah, most normal thing in the world. I was like, that was amazing. It was awesome. And then there's the flip side, which I don't know which I enjoy more when they miss it or when they make it, but like they run, they do the same thing, right? You hear, doo -doo 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 -doo. they hop, skip, jump, they've probably got a big bag, they get stuck, they can't make it, and they miss their tube. But when, you, when this happens on the tube, 
it's, it's like a bit disappointing, but it's not too bad, right? Because you miss the tube, maybe it's happened to you before, you look up to the display and it just says two minutes, and you're like, that disappointment that you had suddenly disappears. And uh, I live in Enfield, so I've learned the hard way that it's not the same with the overground. You run for the overground, you hop, skip, jump, you just miss it, you look up at the display, you wait for the display to load, right? <laughs> and then it tells you that the next one is about 20 to 30 minutes. And I hate being late. I don't know if anyone else hates being late. If you miss the overground, you know what, just call it a day. You're going to be late for that meeting. You're late to work. And I don't know if this happens to anyone else. When you're late for a meeting or you're late for work, you feel like, oh, like the rest of my day is ruined. This is a write-off. Like, I might as well just go back home. Really frustrated. If it happens on a Monday, I can get like a bit like melodramatic about it all and be like, oh, this week is a write-off. I hate it. If it happens in January, I'm like, this year's a write-off, 2022, like, forget it. It's going to all be the same. And uh, I have this moment where the disappointment of missing a moment, missing my train, then changes my perspective on the rest of my day. This moment of disappointment in my past or this momentary pain that I've experienced shifts my perspective what the future could be like. And I feel like this is such a, a human thing that we all do. And we see this in our story that the disappointment, and you can hear it when they're speaking, they, they say, we had hoped. And they stop and they look at Jesus. And it said, the Bible even says that they stopped and they looked sad, that they were in the disappointment of seeing this man who they believed in. He's now died. And with his death, maybe their hope is now gone as well. And they're, they're in this moment of disappointment. And just a bit of background, like they were meant to stay in Jerusalem with all the other disciples. So them leaving and going to Emmaus, which wasn't part of the plan at that point, was them almost saying, you know what, it's a write-off, I'm handing in my notice, I'm no longer a disciple, see you later, I'm going to Emmaus. Their negative memory of Jesus' death causes them to miss the miracle of his resurrection, even though Jesus was there with them. Their perspective was so altered, so shifted, this disappointment almost turned to disillusion for them, where Jesus is right there and they don't even recognize it anymore. Their past pain had shifted their future perspective. Maybe it robbed them of hope and positive expectation. Their disappointment led to disillusion. I don't know if anyone can relate with that. I mean, I definitely definitely can. It feels like a very human response. I feel like we all battle in some way, shape, or form with the past pains that we experience and trying to stop them from robbing our hope and positive expectation for the future. It's not easy to stop disappointment from becoming disillusionment. For me, um, like I said, I grew up in church. My parents uh, are pastors, so if there's any other, any other PKs in the room, we'll Special prayer meeting, special group for us after. Um, and um, so, I've, like I said, I've been in church a lot. And I've heard some phenomenal stories over the years of uh, people's lives, not just like emotionally and like spiritually being healed, but like stories of people who were ill and then people have prayed. And it's like, thank you, Jesus. They've got better. So that was like part of my like growing up was this expectation that, you know what, prayer changes things. Jesus can change our lives. It's like a real thing. And I think over the last couple of years, I've 
experienced a couple of disappointments and in this area, in this idea of healing. And in fact, today, a friend of mine, it would have been his birthday. I remember us about two years ago, WhatsApp groups pinging. He had a, a car accident and we're praying. Lots of us who believe in Jesus and growing up in church, maybe even work at churches, we're praying. And, I, and like, I, the, my full expectation at that moment was, even though it was touch and go and it was intensive care, that there would be a miracle story, like these stories that I've heard growing up in church and uh, hearing people celebrate. That's what I thought was going to happen. And unfortunately, it didn't happen, that sense of disappointment. And even last year, uh, a friend of mine's mum, again, church context, who... Um, she was actually one of the pastors at the church. So the whole church is praying. We're having prayer meetings. And again, believing that, you know what, it's touch and go, but there's going to be like a miracle story. We're going to celebrate at the end of it. And then the story didn't end like that. And that disappointment that can creep in. And for me, just being really honest, that that can turn into this disillusionment, this pain in my past now making me think, okay, does it is God really who he says he is? Can he really heal? Or is that just something that happens in the Bible? And this, this disappointment that's trying to turn into disillusionment. But I can so relate with these disciples in this story because they had a reason to be disappointed, but then Jesus was with them. The miracle was right in front of their eyes. And as I was preparing this message, which honestly I'm in front of you guys, but I'm preaching to myself, I remembered like, how easy I've forgotten this story that is in my own immediate family. Where 23 years ago, um, a, a member of our families was in hospital and it was terminal, like really bad and really touching girl. I was just five years old. I remember going to the hospital uh, with my dad, not really understanding the gravity of the situation. I found out a few years later when they explained it to me and um, people prayed and there was a healing story. It's like miraculous. And then every year since, like this person in our family goes to the hospital to get their checks. And every year the doctors are still surprised that they're still here, that nothing has come back, that they're, they're genuinely healed. And it's like, I can so relate with my disappointment turning into disillusion. And now I'm not recognizing the miracle that is right in front of me. This can feel like, and maybe you have your own things that, have been disappointing in your life. And I guess my first point is to say that we're kind of all in the same boat. It's this human experience that we have. Even the book of Proverbs, which is like a collection of wisdom writings in the Bible, puts it like this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. So we all kind of have this tension between the things that were painful. How do we make sure that they don't define our future perspective? So what does Jesus do? with these disciples who are in a moment of disappointment, maybe even turned disillusionment, thrown in the towel on their way home. Love, verse 15, says these words. It says that Jesus himself drew near to them. Jesus himself drew near to them. The disappointment turned into disillusionment, but Jesus joined the journey. And that gives me so much 
hope, so much comfort to know that our faith and what we're about to celebrate in a few moments, people getting baptised, is not perfect people like we've heard. It's not saying, oh, I have did all of these right things and I've attained this level of life and now I can become a Christian because I've got all of these things right. But it's the flip side that Jesus makes the first move. Even when they were going the wrong way, like the mission was stay in Jerusalem, they were like, don't believe it anymore, going to Emmaus, Jesus joins them on that journey. Jesus joins the journey and uh, he makes the first move. Um, Like I've said a couple of times, my name's Tando. If anyone's been to Zimbabwe, South Africa, um, Tando's actually Zulu for love. And my birthday, get this, I was born on Valentine's Day. It's not, it's not a pickup line. It's just, (laughs) it's just the truth. Um, But, um, Indulge me for a moment talking about like dating for a second, right? Because I don't know if there's any 90s kids, even maybe 80s kids in the room. I want to cast us to cast our minds back to like the pre-app era of dating, right? Like I'm talking about, we're throwing it back. Before like Alexa, before Siri, I'm talking about when you would ask Jeeves, yeah? Anyone know about Jeeves? Like those days when we got excited about the first QWERTY keyboards on Blackberry on a phone and we're all excited, do you know what I mean? when it was like AOL dial-up internet, couldn't be on the phone and on the internet at the same time. Those times, I mean, I was a preteen, so nothing was that serious, but I would like, it would be like notes in class for me, right? And maybe even I'd ask my friend to pass the note on to the girl that I like to say, hey, listen, Tando likes you. That was the scenario. That was the scenario back then, right? But somebody had to have the bravery to make the first move. It wouldn't just happen. It was like a... It was a thing, like you'd put yourself out there, maybe even a conversation in town where you'd like pretend to be asking for the time and then try and move, move the conversation. You know what I mean? The MSN days where you'd be like, yes, age, sex, location, those days. <laughs> no one remembers that, just me, MSN. <laughs> Come on, okay, there's a clap for MSN. Absolutely amazing. Point to say, just with a bit of banter, but someone had to make the first move in when we think about Christianity, we get to remember a God who, who he makes the first move. The Bible actually says not that we loved him, but that he first loved us. The Bible says in Romans 5 that whilst we were still sinners, whilst we were on the way to Emmaus, whilst we're full of our disillusionment, our unbelief that Christ died for us. What a phenomenal thing that we have a God who pursues us, who however you're feeling today, however good of a Christian you would say you are, that Jesus joins you on your journey. And that's not to say he joins us to participate in our disillusionment, but he joins us to be there and present for us. Whatever we need and whatever moment, I love the Bible says this in Psalm 23, verse 6. It says that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. In my highs and my lows, on the way to Jerusalem or the way to Emmaus, in my disappointment, in my excitement, Jesus joins us for the journey. His mercy, his love, they follow me. And we're going to wrap up in a second so the band can join before we get into our baptisms, which I'm so excited about. So we have this story where there's these disciples, they're disappointed, maybe a bit disillusioned, going in the wrong direction, giving up. Jesus joins them on this journey. And I love Jesus because he, he listens to them, he's like, what are you talking about? And he allows them to share where they're at and, and he starts explaining the scriptures, explaining the scriptures to them. And then there's this moment where the story kind of culminates at the end 
at their house. And this is what the Bible says, Luke 24, 29. So they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us for a bit, uh, for it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went to stay with them. And uh, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And kind of the subtext and the thing to understand is that throughout Jesus' ministry, so many miracles happened like in the context of a table. So many important moments and moments where Jesus revealed who he was and what he was here to do happened around a table. Thinking about the time where he turned water into wine and it was at a wedding that would have had tables and he does something to reveal his glory. Or when it was the Last Supper, this painting that we all know and see, it was around a table. And even for these disciples who would have been versed in the Torah and Jewish tradition, in the temple there was a table that had bread on it, this signifying God's presence and that he was there. Even this psalm that we've just read, Psalm 23, has this verse that says, God prepares a table for us, even in the presence of our enemies, maybe even in the presence of our disillusionment and unbelief, he prepares a table. So there's this moment that's getting set up where that something is about to happen. There's Jesus, there's disciples, there's bread, there's a table God, what are you trying to reveal? And like I said, they would have, they were disciples, so they, a couple of, maybe days or a couple of weeks before, they've had this last supper moment at a table where Jesus breaks bread, Luke 22. This is what would have happened. This is what Jesus says, Luke 22, 19. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And we see this moment where Jesus breaks the bread again at another table. Maybe this is the moment where they're like, oh, this is familiar. Like, they see some mannerisms. The same Jesus who broke the bread that fed the 5,000. And in this, in this moment of remembrance, they recognize who Jesus is. And my prayer is for us that we would have a moment of remembrance a moment where we say, you know what, you're the one who broke the bread, where Jesus says, this is my body broken for you, that you, you went to the cross for me, Jesus. You died for me, Jesus. That you forgive my sins, that you took on all of my, my shame and my guilt. That's what you did. And they start remembering the goodness of God, and they recognize Jesus in that moment. It reminds me of Psalm 103 that says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Remember him. And it starts to list off the things that he's done, who forgives your sins, who heals your uh, diseases. Like maybe I'm feeling like that's talking to me. Hey, T, remember who I am, who lifts your life up from the pit. This remembering who Jesus is, and we recognize him in the remembering. That maybe I look back on those moments where I'm like, I felt disappointed, but Lord, actually I remember now that you were my peace in a difficult time. That you were the one who hold, held, held it all together. That I don't know where I would be without you. And maybe for those of us who have been Christians for a little while today, that maybe you remember your baptism moment. 
But you remember that moment where you declared Jesus for the first time when we see some people get baptized today, that maybe you've got a bit disillusioned along the way, but that today could be a marker where you sit in the stillness and you remember, you remember Jesus. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to get to baptize some people, which is going to be amazing. But why don't you join me in a moment of prayer, maybe even start beginning to remember the good things that God has done in your life as we pray. And that, that this would be a moment where you recognize him in your day to day. Lord, I thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you care, Lord. I thank you that wherever we are on our journeys, Jesus, that you want to join us. And Father, I pray that as we have a moment now just to remember and we rehearse your goodness, your kindness, that we would recognize you in our lives, Lord. We'd recognize those daily miracles of your grace, your goodness, that your presence in our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. If you'd like to find out more, give or connect with us, visit our website, saint.church. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.